0: Acts chapter number 4. We have an awesome outline tonight. Whoever did not come tonight is sure going to wish they had. Uh, It is going to be great. Uh, How many of you have found times in your life, places in your life, where where this is a good phrase for that particular time? Boy, it's time to pray. (laughs) It's time to pray. I I mean, things are bad. Things are uh, difficult. Uh, uh, you don't have nowhere else to turn. Uh, I don't know if you've been there yet or not, but you will be. Sooner or later in your Christian life, there's going to be times in your life or places in your life where you can't turn nowhere else but to God. Do I have a witness? It's time to pray. It's time to pray. You could title this, When It's Time to Pray. Either way you want to do it, but let's look. Let's look in verse number 18. Look in verse number 18. We'll read a few verses and then uh, I'll let you sit down we'll do a brief review and, and catch us up to this point. Acts chapter number 4 and verse 18. If you're there, say amen. amen. And they called them, and this is the Sanhedrin, this is the court that had uh, Peter and John. They had been arrested, if you remember. When they called them, they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, say that with me, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old and whom the miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord ...and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal... That signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with... They spake the word of God with... Boldness. boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made Excuse me, unto every man according as he had need. Let's pray. Father, I am so glad, I am so glad to be in your house and I'm so glad to be able to share what you have shared with me. Now, Lord, help me to deliver it in a way that you delivered it to me. I pray that it will be easy to understand. I pray that you'll just just touch everyone here. I know they're tired, they're wore out, probably had a long week, but they came and they were committed and they're here to hear something from you. And Lord, I pray that they will not leave disappointed. I pray that you will encourage the discouraged. I pray that you'll challenge the, the uh, ones who, who just need a, 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 a swift kick. Lord, I, I, I know sometimes we just need you to get on us. And I pray that you'll get on those who need it. I pray, God, that you will lift up those who are, are, are down. I pray tonight that, Lord, we will hear directly from heaven tonight. And God will thank you for it. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, please don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you're here for the first time, uh, we are going through the book of Acts. And, and we, have, we have been spending a little time with the miracle of the lame man that was healed by Peter and John. Peter and John is going into the temple in the hour of prayer, and and and, and, and y'all know the story. I don't need to rehash every detail, but uh, you get the point. This man was healed. Uh, uh, he is he has placed his faith in Christ. It attracted a humongous crowd. Uh, the crowd gathered around to see this this miracle that has taken place. And and because of that, because of that, Paul, or excuse me, Peter and John have been arrested. All right, they were in the temple, uh, they, they, and, and the crowd was probably, you know, it could have been 8,000 people, could have been 10,000 people, but we know that there were 5,000 that believed of just men. And so this was a humongous crowd, and, and the, the authorities didn't like it. The Sanhedrin didn't like it. The, the aristocrats of Israel, the, the, the religious hierarchy, uh, they didn't like it because they're preaching in Jesus' name. You know, they're, they're, they're telling uh, everybody that this man is walking now because of Jesus. Now, we can't be having that because we killed him. We crucified him. And if what they're saying is true, then we are guilty. Y'all see that? We've killed him. Now, this has given them an opportunity to preach the gospel. Three different times so far, we've seen Peter stand and deliver the gospel. He, he spoke about their sins. He spoke about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And, uh, and this, was, this persecution that they're experiencing right now is just another opportunity that God gave them to be able to share their faith. And this is the way we need to look at it. Persecutions can be an opportunity. Your difficulty, your hardship... The thing that you're going through that you might think is killing you may be something that God can use to bring glory to himself and give you an opportunity to share his gospel with those who need to hear it. I need a witness. Amen. And so here we are. We've been arrested uh, they're there, and now, listen, we can't say nothing about the miracle. Can't say nothing about the miracle because the guy's over 40 years old and everybody knows he's been laying here for 40 years. And, and so we can't deny that. So we can't do nothing about that. We don't want to, we really want to kill them. I mean, you know, we want to get rid of, of, of Peter and John, uh, but we can't do that because everybody saw the miracle and they're glorifying God. I mean, they're going around Jerusalem glorifying God because of this miracle, so we can't do that. Well, what can we do? Well, we can threaten them. We'll just threaten them. Uh, uh, we'll, 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 we'll say, don't ever preach in this name anymore. Now, there's a problem there. There's a problem there. Because their main job, their main purpose, their commission, their calling, he said, if you will follow me, leave your nets and leave your boats, I'll make you fishers of men. So their their whole purpose in life now is to preach about Jesus, to tell about the resurrection, to take the gospel to every creature, to go to every nation and preach the gospel. We can't do that. Do you see what's happening here? So here it begins. Now, the persecution is going to get a lot worse. We know that it's going to go from threatening to arresting to eventually executing. But it's beginning. The threats are beginning. The persecution is beginning. And, And this is what I want to talk about tonight. What did they do? What did they do when the persecution began? What did they do when the obstacles came up? Now, I want you to understand, everybody in here, everybody in here, if you do something significant for God, you're going to have problems. Y'all, everybody wait. Anybody need some more coffee? We need to take time out. And... Are y'all with me? Let's start this over. Let's start this over. Let's ask a question. How many of y'all tonight really want to be used by God to do something significant for Him? Great. Amen. Amen. That's wonderful. Now, He will use you significantly in sharing the gospel, sharing your faith. And if you truly want to do that, if you truly want to step out and do something great for God, guess what? The devil's not just going to lay down and let you do that. Are y'all with me? He's going to fight. He's He's going to respond. He's going to retaliate. So if you're living for God, you need to look for this. If you're living for God, you need to expect problems. The Bible says that those who believe in Christ, those who follow Christ and are living for God, will suffer persecution. We shall go through tribulation here on this earth. Not the tribulation period, but just the fact of being troubled. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. But there's something we can do about it. What do we do? How do we respond when we're being persecuted? How do we respond when the devil throws obstacles in our way? How do we respond when the devil comes and fights against our efforts to be uh, what God wants us to be and to glorify Him in our life? Well, let's look at let's look at three things real quick tonight, and we'll we'll study. and I promise you, it'll be a blessing to you. I promise you, it will. All right. Number one, number one. I want you to see the response, <clears throat> the response to their persecution the response to their persecution. And by the way, nowhere in your notes will you find that they whined about it. Are y'all with me? Come on, come on, come on. I I know who I'm speaking to. We have a tendency to want to whine, don't we? Want to complain and we, you know, we want out of this mess. But here's what you need to see. Their job, their job, their calling, their commission was to preach Jesus. Is that correct? Yes. That's their job. That's their responsibility. That's their command. This is what God told them to do. Now, look in verse number, look in verse number 19. They were threatened in verse 18. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. First thing we need to do, the first response when we run into an obstacle, A, we need to be determined to be obedient. We need to be determined to be obedient. Everybody write that down. We need to be determined to be obedient obedient. No matter what, do what's right. No matter what the obstacle is, fulfill your responsibility. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We as Christians, we get sidetracked way too much. And, and, and sometimes I think, and I hate to say this, but I think a lot of Christians or professing Christians, if you will, they will determine their obedience to God By the convenience of what they are to obey. Not by whether God said to do it or not. By whether how easy it is to accomplish. But here's what we got to do. No matter what the world says, be determined to obey. No matter what the culture's doing, be determined to obey. No matter what other churches are doing, be determined to obey. Now, you may not believe this. You may have your head stuck down in the sand. But I promise you this. This persecution that they are facing, it is coming to America. It is already here. They are trying to force Christian businesses to fall pressure to the world's culture and to the devil. I mean, utter wickedness that we would have never heard of years ago. That, my friend, is just the beginning. And if we don't determine right now that we're gonna do right, that we're gonna be obedient to God, that it doesn't matter what the culture says, and it doesn't matter what the government says, and it doesn't matter what everybody else does, we're just gonna do right. Are y'all with me? Say amen. In the I mean right back in their face, they are threatened. Don't speak in this name anymore. They say, look, guys, we you know, what should we honor God rather than man, or obey you rather than God, you make up your own mind. But let me tell you what we're going to do. All we can do is what we've seen and heard. They were determined. And no matter, we're going to be obedient. We got to be determined. All right. Now, secondly, this is really important. Verse 23. When the persecution came, when the difficulties came, they made up their mind we're going to be obedient. We're going to do what God has called us to do. We're going to do what God has commanded us to do. Then look what it says in verse 23. And being let go, read that next sentence. All right, everybody say it. Now, what do you think that company was? The believers. So they went to the church. They went to the church. That's very significant. Now I don't believe they went to all ten or fifteen thousand, but they went possibly to the original one hundred and twenty. They went back to the place that they were, had normally gathered. It could have been could have been at, at Peter's house. It could have been uh, uh, in the upper room, possibly. But basically, they went back to their uh, uh, they went back to the people they were in fellowship with. They went back to the church. Now, how do we apply that? How many times have you seen people when persecution came, the first thing they did was quit church? The first thing they did was stop going to church. First thing they did was stop fellowshipping with the believers. Now, let me tell you what persecution will do. Let me tell you what persecution will do. And you may not believe this. You may just think that, well, they're just kind of... Persecution will thin the herd. Persecution will purify... Listen, it will purify the congregation. Now, you may not believe this, but on Sunday mornings, everybody in here are not genuine believers. You may tell you what would would purify this this congregation is if the government came in with guns and said, if you are a believer, we're going to shoot you. If not, you're free to leave. I promise you, they would leave faster than when we give the invitation. Yeah, that's right. Some of y'all caught that. <laughs> Tribulation always does that. Persecution always does that. It always shows what's real. You know what, you know what Peter said about it? He said, he said this about fiery trials. He said, said, don't be surprised, don't be shocked when fiery trials come your way. They are there to try you, but they're to try your faith. Your faith, which is much more precious than of gold that perishes. In other words, what he's saying is your faith will be tested by fire. And you say, why is that precious? Because it will reveal whether it's real faith or not. Whether it's the genuine deal. And the people that bug out when persecution comes, the people that 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 you can't find no more persecution comes, guess what? It just reveals that their faith wasn't genuine to begin with. But you know what genuine faith does? It pushes you to go back to connect with other people of genuine faith. Persecution. And you can study history. You can study throughout the history of the world, throughout the history of the church. Every time God's people were persecuted, every time that the, the devil attacked God's people, God's people united together. And instead of destroying them, they always grew and expanded. Are y'all with me? Say amen. What's the point? Listen, when you're going through it, when the devil attacks you, the last thing you need to do is abandon the church. They went to their own Come on, everybody. They went to their own, their own company. Why? That's where they're going to have fellowship. That's where someone's going to pray for them. That's where they're going to bear one another's burdens. You know why they went to their own company? They knew they'd be prayed for. You know why they went to their own company? They knew they would be supportive. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, that's what, the, that's what the church has to be. This is important. The church is, an, is not an entertainment center. The church is not somewhere where you, you, you come so you can have something that you enjoy for an hour on Sunday and get to hear some cool music and, and, and feel better about yourself and then go home. That's, we've, we've totally missed it. Church on Sunday is not a place where I can go find a bunch of lost people and bring them so that the, the, the preacher can save them. That's not, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. Let me, let me illustrate it. Let me illustrate. Give me, give me about 10 guys up here. Not everybody at one time. Come on, guys. Come on up here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. You don't have to count. We can have more than 10. Come on, give me some more. That's it. Come on up here. Don't be shy. If you're scared, say you're scared. Come on up. All right, come on down here and bunch up. <clears throat> Don't spread out, bunch up. Come down here, come down here. Like in a congregation, come on down here. All the way to the end. There you go, there you go, there you go. Watch this. Kind of huddle up. Kind of like we're in a football game. All right, we're here, we're here. Now this is the gathering of the church. We're here to fellowship. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens. Now, now, what has God called us to do? Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel, right? Spread the gospel. Share our faith, right? All right. This is what our job is, correct? This is what our calling is. This is our purpose for being on this planet, right? Right. Now, now, go do that. Yeah, right now. (laughs) Just spread out over the world. You see the world out there? The the fields are wide unto harvest. Fields are wide unto harvest. Now, now you see what's happening? They're going out into the mission field. They're going out into the harvest. Y'all with me? Now watch this. Watch it. No, stand up, late. Don't sit down. You're supposed to be spreading the gospel. Alright? Alright, now watch. All right. Everybody, everybody pause. Everybody pause. Now, now watch this. Everybody stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I promise you. You get attacked. Get over there. You're a little bigger. I'll be gentle with you, all right? All right. You get attacked. Come on, you can be attacked too since you're on this side. So during the week, during the week, y'all are spreading the gospel. Y'all are sharing your faith as you are going. Right? Isn't that what it says? Go you in all the world. Right? So as you are going, when you go to the marketplace, when you go to the, uh, 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 the schoolhouse, when you, when you go to the workplace, everywhere you go, you're supposed to be, that's our job. It doesn't matter whether you're a teacher, it doesn't matter whether you're a plumber, it doesn't matter whether you're a lawyer, it doesn't matter whether you, you, you work with, with dirt and dig ditches or, or work on heavy equipment, your job is to share the gospel. Okay? Now, that's what we do during the week. We win people to Christ. Right? We're taking back what the devil stole, right? Right. We're in his territory. We're in the enemy territory doing our thing, sharing the gospel. And then guess what? Here comes Sunday. Here comes Sunday. All right. Come on, guys. We gather. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Y'all been in the trenches. Y'all been in. Ha! Ha! ha." Get back over there. Get back. Get back. All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Now watch this. Watch this. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Right? But exhorting one another. Encouraging one another. Why? You've been out in the world. The devil's been beating you up. You've been serving God and you've been winning the loss. You've been sharing your faith. You've been winning people to Christ. You've been fighting the battle. So you come back to encourage one another. That's what Sunday's about. Now watch this. watch this guys. Now here's old, old Peter and John and Bartholomew. <laughs> they've been beat up, they've been attacked. Come on guys. They've whatever it might be, it could be it could be from the government, it could be at work, harassed because of their faith. Don't be bringing your Bible to work. Don't be witnessing to people. Whatever it is, they're attacked. Well, they got to do something about that. Peter and John were threatened, don't be speaking no more in this name. So guess what they do? They don't whine about it. They don't complain to God. God, we're just trying to do what we're supposed to do. No, no. What do they do? They go to their, they go to their own company. So here they are. They bring... Watch this now. They bring their problem to their own Why? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but exhort. Come on, but. Exhort. Exhorting one another. You see, we, 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 we've totally missed what church is supposed to be about. We've switched it. We think, we think church is something we go to to watch other people go to the altar to get saved. That's not, that's not, what, that's not the way this is set up. Church is not technically for the evangelization, or evangelization of the lost. It's for the edifying of the saints. So they can go do the work of the ministry. And do the work of an evangelist seeing them saved out there and then come back here to be encouraged, to be edified, to be lifted up, to be trained, and to be developed, to go back out. Y'all with me? So what is what is now let's look, let's look at this story. Let's look at this story. Peter and John go into the temple in the hour of prayer. So can we say it was as they were. Right. So as they were going, they did something great for God. Say that with me. As they were going, they and then what did Satan do? He he attacked them. They experienced persecution. They experienced threatening. Don't do this anymore. Don't be speaking in this name. They were arrested and held overnight. By the way, guys. But what did they do about it? They went to their. They went to the church. Their own company. And they said, hey guys, this is what's happened. Now watch this. Watch this. Y'all, y'all can write this down when y'all go down there. Watch this. First, they were determined to be obedient. They said, no, we, we can't. We got to do this. See, that's when you look and say, look, man, you can threaten as soon as you want to, but we, we, this is what we're called to do. Secondly, they went to their own company. Now watch this. This is so important. Then, then everybody watching? They went to God. Together. In other words, in other words, who was my, all right, y'all were the attacked ones, come on, come on, all right. Now, the attacked came to their brothers, their own company, and shared the problem. And then, so what did they do? They all, they all went to God together. They all lifted their voice. Now now listen, watch this now. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. And you're going to find this out at the end of this lesson. But the main thrust of this prayer was not relief. It was that we could be able to do our job. In other words, the main thrust of God answering prayer is not the convenience of the saint or the answer to the saint's prayer for relief. It is for the glory of God and the, the opportunity for us to complete our mission. If that makes sense, say amen. So here's the way this is supposed to work. All week long, y'all are supposed to be sharing your faith, sharing the gospel, Winning people to Christ as you are. Now you're going to be attacked for that. You're going to be persecuted for that. You let, me tell you why, you let me tell you why the church in America doesn't experience the persecution that the church overseas experiences. Because we're not sharing our faith. I guarantee you this if we all just went crazy on Coleman County, sharing our faith everywhere, they'd be so mad at Temple, they'd want us all to shut up. But we're not controversial. When I say we, I'm not saying just temple, I'm talking about the church in America. We're not causing controversy. We're not being aggressive. We're we're not, we're not. Are y'all with me? We're compromising. Listen, the church in America, instead of saying this is right and this is wrong, this is sin, this is black and this is white, no, we're there. Well, okay, let's don't. Instead, what did Paul and, 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 excuse me, Peter and John do? Hey, we got to do what we got to do. Man, that's what we need the church in America to do. Are y'all with me? Now, watch. Good job, church. Y'all did a great job encouraging one another. Amen. Hey, give them a hand, everybody. All right, go ahead and find your place. Find your place. Now, does this make sense? Does that, does that kind of open open the picture? You see, we are called to spread the gospel. So your job during the week, wherever you're at, wherever you go, is to spread the gospel. When you come back here, it's my job to encourage you to keep doing it and to train you to do it better. And to bring inspiration and encouragement. And if you're broken, if you're persecuted, if the devil's come against you, we come together and go to God. Not miss church. Not run from God. Now let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many of y'all know of people that were in church going wide open and all of a sudden something happened, some bad thing happened? And the first thing they did was leave church. Come on, let's all be honest. Raise your hand. They ran from the very place that they needed to be. and the very place that they could get help. So, what was their response? Let's look at it. What was their response to persecution, to this obstacle, to this attack of Satan? First, they were... Everybody say it. Come on, look at your notes. They were... They were determined to be obedient. Say it with me. They were. Determined be Or B. Say it with me. All right. C. Everybody say that. The Bible says, Cast thy care upon the Lord. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee, casting all thy care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. Whatever your burden is, whatever your problem is, whatever your situation is, bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord together. The more people praying, the better. Say amen. Amen. Now, watch this. Watch this. This is so good. Let's look at the record of their prayer. Man, I love this part. How did they pray? and what did they pray? What did they ask for? What did they say when they prayed? It's very significant. This is a major problem. This is a major problem. We don't think, as we read this, we don't think this is that big a deal, but it's a huge deal in that day. I mean, this is going to affect their livelihood. This is going to affect their their ability to support their families. I mean, this is a major, major issue. Okay? Now, watch what they pray. Watch what they pray. When they go to God, this is what they say. Let's look in, let's, look in uh, let's see, verse 24. Verse 24, when you get there, say amen. And when they heard that, when they heard what? The threats, the problem, the issue, the attack. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, and said, now here's their prayer, here's their prayer. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth. And the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David, now they're quoting Genesis chapter 2, I mean, excuse me, uh, Psalm 2, Psalm 2, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said. In other words, in other words, God is speaking through David as he's writing uh, Psalm 2. So it's God saying it, but he's doing it through David in Psalm 2. If that makes sense, amen. God, you said, why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now, the first thing I want you to see about their prayer. First, write this down. A, their recognition of God. This is really important. Their recognition of God. What what, what do you mean, preacher? When you pray, you need to recognize who you pray into. When you pray, you need to recognize who you pray into. Why is that important? Because the Bible says when we pray... We need to pray believing. When we pray, we need to have confidence in our prayer. When we pray and we go to God, we need to believe that the one we're praying to has the ability and the power to accomplish what we're needing him to accomplish. Are y'all with me? Now watch what he says. He says, Lord. Say that with me. Say it with me. The word there is where we get our English word despot or absolute ruler. So what are they recognizing here? First, they're recognizing God's authority. They're recognizing God's authority. He is the absolute ruler. He is in charge. He is on the throne. He knows what he's doing. He is still the boss. He has not surrendered any of his authority. He is still the boss. Say amen. Lord, they're calling him Lord. They're addressing God. Lord, Lord, thou art God. Theos, Theos, thou art God. What does that mean? Divine, divine, the supreme one. Listen, supreme divinity. Lord, you're the absolute ruler. We're recognizing your authority. Then they're recognizing his ability. Look what it says. Thou art the God that made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. In other words, they're saying, now look, before we ask you for what we need, we are recognizing the fact that everything we see, you made. The stars you spoke into existence. The mountains you spoke into existence. The oceans you spoke into existence. Everything was made by you. What are they doing? They're recognizing his ability. They're recognizing his power. They're recognizing that it doesn't matter what they need him to do. He has the power to do it. Preacher, what are you getting at? I'm getting at this. When's the last time you went to God with perfect confidence... I mean, complete without a doubt faith in his ability to fix the problem that you have. Too many times we go to God like he's some weak, anemic old man upstairs who might can do something about our issue. Let, let 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 me help you with something. There's no might to it, there's no might about it. There's nothing too hard for God. There's no problem you can't bring to him that he can't speak it and it be done. He has ability. Thou art God, not the one threatening us, not Satan, not our adversary. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I serve a living God, and he has power. He has ability. There's nothing too hard for him. Yeah, that's how we need to pray. When you pray like that, what problem are you going to bring to him he can't solve? I mean, seriously. Are you all with me? Thou art God. Man, you made everything. And they haven't even got to their request yet. They're just recognizing who they're talking to. Lord, absolute ruler. God, theos, supreme, divinity. They're recognizing his authority. They're recognizing his ability. I love this one. Watch this. 25, who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said. And then it talks about the world coming against Christ. You know what this means? You know what they're saying? Now, how many hundreds of years, hundreds of years before this happened, God said it was going to happen. You know what they're recognizing now? Not just his authority, not just his ability, but his awareness. You know what they're saying? God, you knew this. God, you knew this. I, I was I was with the staff either either yesterday morning or what day's today? Day? Yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. It had to have been yesterday because they were not here Monday. <clears throat> And, and somebody said, somebody said they were in a, in a phrase and they were talking about, we were talking about, uh, uh, we were talking about Adam and Eve. And Adam being alone. And, and somebody said it, they worded it this way. And I didn't say nothing because I didn't want to, I didn't want to call them out. They said, God realized that it was not good for Adam to be alone. No, 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 you, you, you don't understand. God's never realized anything. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to him? That God has always known it? God will always know it? He's alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Before there was a beginning, he already knew the ending. He knows how everything's going to fall out. There's no problem you'll ever face. There's no situation you'll ever go through that God doesn't already know you're going to be in it, and he's going to be in it with you. And he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. That means whatever my problem is, whatever my situation is, he's already aware of it, and he knows what to do. Man, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. How many of y'all remember when he fed the 5,000? Y'all remember that? You remember when the problem arose? Hey, they hungry. And these Baptist disciples <laughs> said, let's run them off. <laughs> Let them solve their own problem. Dear God, all we got is this little last lunch. We ain't got enough. Man, that's the anthem of the Baptist church, ain't it? We ain't got enough. Let them fend for themselves. Now, when Jesus asked that, in the the verse, this is great. When Jesus asked that, he said, said, what are we going to do? Not because he needed an answer. Because it says, for he knew what he would do. You know what that means? Before your problem ever arises, he already knows what to do. You know what they're saying? Now look, Lord. We know that you already spoke about this in Psalm 2. You already knew this was going to happen. Do you know how, how well you can rest knowing that whatever it is that's keeping you up at night. He already knew. We say, well, how's that going to help me? He's got a plan. If he knew it, he let it. He allowed it to happen. Did he know Lazarus was going to die? Yeah, he waited on purpose, so he would. Why? He had a plan. Because he was going to walk in there and say, "Hey, come out of that grave, right? Come on now, let's, 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 this is this is Bible. I'm preaching. I'm I'm telling you, Bible. This is New Testament stuff right here. This is the kind of prayer we need to pray. We need to go to God in confidence. We need to go to God knowing He's in authority. He's not He's not submitted His authority. He's still the boss." He's still in charge. Not only does he have authority, man, he's got ability. There's nothing he can't do. And he already knows I'm going through it. He already knew I was going to go through it. Now, watch. Now, watch. This is what's really important. Look at the next verse. They're recognizing who they're praying to. Y'all see this? They recognize his authority in verse 24. They recognize his ability. Said thou hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Verse 24. Verse 25 through verse 27. They're recognizing his awareness. They understand that he knows it. He knew it. He spoke about it way before it ever happened. He predicted it, if you will. In verse 28. Now they bring up Pontius Pilate. Right? Herod. Herod the Gentiles, and the people of Israel. These were the ones that killed Jesus. I don't know if y'all remember this when we were going through the book of John. How many of y'all was here when we was going through the book of John talking about the crucifixion? Raise your hand. Do y'all remember that aha moment where everything looked bad and it looked like it looked like the devil was winning, and it looked like, man, they, this was just a tragedy. This is terrible. The world is coming against Jesus, this innocent man, and he is, oh, they, 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 are, they, they are just, uh, and then we, then we realized by the study that Jesus was in charge of it the whole time, that nothing happened in that whole ordeal that he wasn't already in charge, and he didn't let happen and planned it to happen, and it happened the way he wanted it to happen matter of fact, when things started to getting a little out of order, uh, Peter cut the man's ear off, Jesus picked it up and put it back on and said, hey, I got this. Right? Hey, there was never a time when God wasn't in control. It was all according to God's plan. Watch the next verse. Watch the next verse. They talk about Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, it looks like they all come against Jesus. Oh, what a tragedy. But all they did was whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel, what? Come on. So what did they do? They only did what God wanted them to do. So what, what, are they, what are they recognizing now? Watch this now. This is so important. This is so important before you get to the rest of this prayer. I'm telling you, you need to understand this in your life. When you pray and you're going through persecution, you're going through difficulty, and you're going through hell on earth, and you're just at your wit's end, and you don't know where else to turn, know what else to do, you need to recognize God's ability, you need to recognize God's authority, you need to recognize God's awareness, but you need to recognize God's agenda. That God has a plan. This did not sneak up on him. This trial you're in, this persecution you're in, he did, it didn't slip up on him. He did not have an aha moment. He didn't all of a sudden realize, or it did not just occur to him. He already knew, and he's got a plan for it. There's no sickness you'll face that he don't have a plan. Nothing. It's all according to God's plan. How's that going to help me? Because you got to know He loves you. What's the phrase? Father knows best. He knows what's best for your life. Now, I don't always like what's best for my life. I didn't like shots growing up. I sure didn't like whoopings. How many of y'all got some of them? How many of y'all know it did you some good? I didn't like it, but there was an agenda. My dad wanted me to be respectful. He wanted me, he he knew he only had me 18 years. Y'all was going to have me the rest of my life. So he better instill in me in them 18 years so I'd be a good citizen to y'all the rest of my life. And God has an agenda. Do you realize, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I've got to do this a little bit just to help you. Do you realize God used that persecution to get the gospel to every creature? Because in just a little bit, we'll find out that they were just hanging out in Jerusalem. They were not going to the uttermost. He said, but ye shall, Acts 1 8, but ye shall receive power at that, the Holy Ghost come upon you, and you should be witnesses to me in J- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. They wasn't doing that. They was hanging out in Jerusalem until what started? Persecution. So God used the persecution that was very painful or uncomfortable to the body of Christ to accomplish his agenda. So if he's allowing you to go through something, if he's allowing you to face a trial, don't ever doubt. He does have, come on, he does have an agenda. He's got an agenda. But you've got to remember, his agenda is not always our comfort. It's usually our character. And more importantly, his glory. And all God's people say it. Amen. Does this make sense? Yes. And guess what? They still haven't asked for something yet. This is all. Hey, before we ask for this. We know you have power. You're aware of my situation. You have the ability to solve my issues. And we know you've got a plan for this, God. Now we've got a request. Watch this. This was my aha moment. I've never seen this part, what I'm fixing to tell you. And it's really cool. And if you don't like it, just act like you do. Watch this, verse 29. And now. It's kind of like with your spouse or maybe your kids. and 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 they're bragging on you. And they're buttering you up. Oh, damn. Oh. Okay. And you say, what do you want? Uh, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And now. This is what we need. This is what we need. This is so good, guys. This is so good. This is, I'm telling you, this is so good. Look at this. Look at their request. It's kind of like in two parts. And now, Lord. What's that next word? Come on everybody Say it again Behold Behold. Look what the definition of the word behold is Right there in your notes Tell me what it is Say it again Alright now watch Two two parts This request is in two parts Lord Behold their threatening Say that with me Say it again Say it with meaning. Behold their, behold their threatening. Now, I promise you this, guys. Now, if y'all was being threatened, y'all would, it, y'all would say it with a lot more enthusiasm than what y'all are. Okay? Let's say your doctor gave you bad news. Now, now are we on the same page. Say you're going through a terrible, terrible trial. That's what you're asking God to Behold. Right Now watch this. This is in two parts. Behold their threatenings. That's one part. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now watch this. This is what I want you to get. Threatenings. That was the problem, right? Am I right? This is what we're going to God for is because of their their threatenings. So that's the problem. That's the issue, right? Now look at this. That with all boldness they may speak thy word. What is that? What is speaking thy word? Doing our job. job. Great. Great answer. That's our purpose. Correct? That's our calling. That's that's what we were sent to do. That, That is what we were trying to accomplish when they did their... Threatenings. So watch this now. I'm going somewhere. I promise you, I'm going somewhere. I'm just trying to set the table, okay? you got to get the butter and, and the jelly and everything on the biscuit before you can gnaw down on it, all right? The threatenings were the problem. Say that with me. The threatenings were the? Speaking the word is their purpose. All right, say that with me. Speaking the word, sharing the gospel, sharing their faith. That is their Now watch this. Their request involved both of those. It involved their, their, which is their problem. It involved their, and their, now watch how they did this. Watch how they did this. Now, Lord, now, Lord, what's the next word? Behold, behold, what does that mean? Look at, observe, attend to. Y'all get that? What does that mean? That means, now, Lord, come on, everybody, look at me. (whistles) Now, Lord, this is the problem. This is the problem. You look at it. You observe it. you, You attend to it. You attend to it. But give us boldness. So we can accomplish our purpose. In other words, God, you handle the problem and we'll focus on our purpose. Yeah. Y'all, y'all ain't getting it. <clears throat> <laughs> what was their prayer? What was the first thing they did? Now, God, we're going to give you the problem. We're going to cast our care upon you. We're going to cast our burden upon the Lord. We're, gonna, we're not going to worry about it. We're not going to carry it back to our pew. We're going to leave it with you. God, you handle the threatening. We got a job to do. You may me tell you what we do? Oh, God, help me deal with this threatening. Oh, God, sustain me underneath the threats. You know what we do when we go to God? We focus on our problem. We don't give it to him. We think about it we gripe about it, we whine about it, we cry about it, we tell everybody about it They can't do nothing about it, right? But what would happen in our lives if we started bringing our problems and say, God, you got this, help me do my job? You know what I've learned in life? If I'll take care of God's business, he'll take care of, let me tell you what's wrong with a lot of us. We're too busy trying to take care of our own business and not doing his business. The Bible says that the fields are wide unto harvest, right? The harvest is great, but the labors are. Now, let me ask you a question. If there is somebody that's busy in his field, as bad as he needs laborers, do you think that he's going to let that person, his business, go bad while he's taking care of God's business? Absolutely not. Do y'all see this? God, we ain't going to deal with this. God, check out the threatenings. You, you 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 attend to that. You 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 handle this. We ain't gonna lose sleep over that. What did they do in their request? They gave their problem to God. Come on, say it with me. They gave their problem to God. But you can't stop there. You can't stop there. Here's what we want to do. How many of y'all? <laughs> I mean you've heard them TV preachers. Let go and let God. Now that sounds real spiritual. It's okay if you let go. But if you're not willing to come and pursue your purpose, don't expect him to take care of your problem. Y'all mind if I can get real for just a minute? How many people come to churches? How many people come to churches when they got a problem? And they're all about giving God their problem. And God says, okay, I'll, I'll do something. And he fixes it. I've seen couples come in here fighting like tooth and nail, just all about this, about ready to kill each other. And then, well, we're going to give it to God and we're going to serve God. And, and they are. And then and God just molds and fixes things and straightens up things. And then all of a sudden I turn around, where'd they go? And then they don't, they don't pursue. They don't, watch this, seek first the kingdom. God says, if you pursue me, I'll handle them problems. I'll take care of the problems. Listen, this is... We've we've heard so many cliches that's caused a false understanding of true doctrine. This is... How many of y'all have heard this? The church is a hospital for the hurting. How many of y'all have heard that? Now, I'm glad hurting people can get help here. But the church is not a hospital for the hurting. It's a command center for the fighting. The church is a command center for the soldiers of Christ who are on the battlefield fighting for the King. But when we when we fill up with cliches, and, and 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 really cool spiritual sounding things that we find on Facebook, we get this idea that we just come here so we can get healed, so we can get better and feel comfortable and 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 have a little bit better life, and then just go out and keep doing what we're doing. God doesn't heal you so you can go back to the same life you was in. God doesn't solve your problems or answer your prayers. Just So you can have them answered. God does everything he does for his own glory. And if you're pursuing his glory, you can expect him to move on your behalf. This is not a hospital for the hurting. Although God touches a lot of hurting people, thank God for that. But this is a command center. This is where we gather together after we've been out in the fight and been, listen, fighting the devil, fighting our adversaries. We come back in here to encourage one another, lift one another up, get a good pep talk, man, have an awesome pep rally to go back out there and fight some more. We fight for our families. We fight for our communities. We fight for our country. We get bloody we get battered, we get beat up by the devil, but we come back to the command center to encourage one another again and hold each other up and go back out and fight some more. What's the point? Don't expect God to solve your problems, to tend to your problems, if you're not willing to pursue your purpose. Now look at it, look at the request. They didn't say stop their threat so we can feel better. They said do that so we can accomplish what you called us to do. Right? They didn't ask for relief, they asked for boldness. Look what it says. Look what it says. Look what it says. Verse 29. Behold their threatenings. God, you, you attend to that. And then this is what we need for us. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness. Say that with me. That with all boldness that we may speak thy word. Say amen. amen. Listen. Boldness means confidence. Means bluntness, really. Means the ability to have courage. Phillips Brooks, he said this, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your task. How many, y'all, how, many, how many of y'all ever heard or remember that old southern gospel song, uh, uh, Lord, Don't Move That Mountain? Yes. Anybody remember that? Oh, we're going to have to learn that. Yes. Lord, Don't Move That Mountain. Just give me strength to climb. For if you should move each mountain, I would grow weaker every time. In other words, our prayer should not be God make the problem smaller. It means make me stronger. Give me more boldness. Give me strength. Give me the ability that I need to accomplish the purpose in my life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. I know y'all didn't expect that tonight. Augustine said, pray as though everything depends on God, but work as though everything depends on you. Church, say amen. I wonder how God felt. Oh, we're out of four minutes over. Oh, man, I really got to get this. Oh, Jesus. Listen, I'm, gonna, I'm just have to, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, there's two things that took place. The response to their their petition. Do I even have to tell you God loved their prayer? He loved it so much he stirred up the whole bunch. The Bible says when they prayed the place was shaken. The word means to incite. It means to stir, to move. All right, let me give you these three quickly, quickly. Dustin's in the building with us. I got to hurry. All right. God stirred them. Boy, don't America's church needs to be stirred up? God stirred them. God filled them. The word filled means to supply, to furnish. God emboldened them. It means outspoken, bluntness, confidence. That's the action that God took. God stirred them, God filled them, God emboldened them. Then this is the effect. This is the effect from their prayer, and God's moving. Number one, there was great unity. Well, we need our churches to have unity, amen? All these church splits and all the things, man, God's not in that. It says they were, in verse number 32, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. The word heart there means thoughts or feelings. Soul means breath. They, were, they had the same breath, the same passion. You know what we could do for God if we'd all get on the same page and want the same thing? And you say, how can we all do that if we all like different stuff? We can be centered around the one thing, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We could be all together committed to be in one accord, and that is to get the gospel to every creature. And all God's people say it. There was great unity. Verse 33, there was great power. There was a force. There was an ability to get the job done. Man, God gave him power. There was great grace. The Bible says in verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. The word grace means benefit, favor, gratifying. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about when I say they had the favor of God on them? Man, they had the touch of God, the blessings of God, experiencing the favor of God. It is a great thing when God's smiling on you people. Amen? There was great generosity. Verse 34. It said, neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. Man, they weren't stingy at all. Because God's hand was on them and they knew that God was their God and he would supply their need. They were able to be generous. Then number five, there was great provision. Verse 35. They laid, down, laid them down, the prices of the, the, the land and the houses that were sold. They laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And because of that, the top of verse 34, neither was there any among them that lacked. Preacher, what are you saying? There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. The devil cannot stop a praying church. And all God's people see it. Amen. Now how many of y'all would enjoy and like those, that last list of things that I didn't have time to preach? Unity. Right? Unity. Power. Boldness. Grace. Generosity. Provision. Man, what, a, what, a, what an awesome New Testament church. And guess what? God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore it isn't that he stopped having power. I think it's because we stopped having prayer. Amen. Amen. I'm like in real trouble. (laughs) So if you have youngins in here, immediately when we dismiss, this is the only time you're allowed to run in church. Okay. Run and get them, run and get them. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you.